Adonai Church. You're listening to a sermon by our youth pastor, Charles Benedict. We hope you enjoy this teaching. Four bullets hit Pope John Paul II, two of them lodging in his lower intestine, the others hitting his left hand and right arm. This assassination attempt on the Pope in May 1981 left him severely wounded and with a considerable blood loss. His health was never the same again. In July 1981, the perpetrator, Ali Azda, was sentenced to life imprisonment. Pope John Paul II asked people to pray for my brother Azda, whom I have sincerely forgiven. Two years later, he was to take the hand of Ali Azda, then in prison, and quietly tell him that he had forgiven him for what he had done, even though his would-be killer had not asked for forgiveness. He developed a friendship over the years, meeting Hazda's mother in 1987 and his brother a decade later. In June 2000, Hazda was pardoned by President Carlo at the Pope's request. In February 2005, Hazda sent a letter to the Pope wishing him well. When the, when the Pope died on 2nd April 2005, Azda's brother, Adrian, gave an interview saying that Azda and his entire family were grieving and that the Pope had been a great friend to them. Pope John Paul II's response of love and mercy is exemplary. On this Good Friday, we remember that God's love and God's mercy is even more extraordinary towards us. Because in the words of the hymn writer by John Edison, at the cross of Jesus, pardon is complete. Love and justice mingle, truth and mercy meet. Jesus personified God's love, but he also said, I am the truth. The Holy Spirit pours God's love into our hearts, but it is also the spirit of truth. Truth becomes hard if it is not softened by love. Love becomes soft if it is not strengthened by truth. Let us pray. We need both the love of the God and we need the spirit of truth to help us to be able to understand uh, the word of God. Let's all pray and ask God to uh, give us a revelation. Thank you, Lord, that you are the spirit of love. Pour into each one of our hearts, Lord, your love. Lord, you're also the spirit of truth, Lord. Let your truth bring revelation, understanding. Holy Spirit of God, come and have your way amongst us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The topic for this morning is on the jealous love of God. You may have heard many messages on uh, the love of God, but not many of us would have heard a message on the jealous love of God. Uh, when we hear the word jealous... I'm sure you all are, you will agree with me that it does not convey a positive uh, idea. Jealousy is often uh, referred to as a green lizard. Okay, it's uh, like a green-eyed monster. That's what jealousy is. And to better understand the world kind of jealousy, I will read out a story. There were two shopkeepers who were bitter rivals. Their stores were directly across the street to each other. And they would spend each day keeping a track of each other's business. They were spying on each other, keeping a track of how many customers went to each of those shops. If one got a customer, he would smile in triumph at his rival. 
one night an angel appeared to one of the shopkeepers in a dream so dreams can come to anybody okay and he said i will give you anything you ask but whatever you receive your competitor will receive twice as much would you be rich you can be very rich but he will be twice as wealthy that's a competitor uh, do you wish to live a long and healthy life you can but his life will be longer and healthier what is your desire that's what the angel asked the shopkeeper the man frowned thought for a moment and then said here is my request strike me blind in my one eye that's the kind of jealousy the world has i want you all to look at exodus 34:6 uh, god introduced himself to moses and god spoke about himself it is the cv of god and god said that i am a compassionate god that i am a gracious god that i am a god who is very angry he is a god who is slow to anger and he is a god is abounding in love and faithfulness that is god's cv and in the same chapter chapter number 34 verse 14 it also says that for you shall worship no other god for the lord whose name is jealous is the jealous god so what is this jealousy the bible is talking about the god that we worship is not just a god who is compassionate and gracious he is also a god who is jealous and also deuteronomy 6:15 says for the lord your god in your midst is a jealous god this morning we sang songs of worship we sang songs of praise to god and uh, we uh, sang about his goodness uh, a sacrifice on the cross for each one of us okay the god we worship is compassionate is gracious but he's also a jealous god the root meaning in the old testament speaks of jealousy as one becoming intensely red which is associated with intense zeal over something or someone dear to us that is the understanding there is an intense zeal for someone or something that which is very close to our heart that's the meaning of jealousy that we see in the bible and the word jealous and zealous are both uh, translated and they are essentially the same thing jealousy and being zealous for god and to better understand i want you all to have a look at this quote by john calvin okay god's jealousy is not a compound of frustrations envy and spite that's the jealousy the world speaks about as human jealousy is so often is but appears instead as a praiseworthy zeal to preserve something supremely precious you and i are precious to god amen and that zeal in god to preserve us that zeal in god a praiseworthy zeal that god has over each one of us that is the jealousy of god that is the jealous love that god has for you and me god is supreme and all of us are supreme of all the creation compared to everything that god created we are the only being who carries this breath we are the only people who carries spirit we are supreme and this supreme god 
over a supreme creation is supremely in love. That's the understanding of the zeal of God. And so what does that make you feel? It make, makes you feel special, makes you feel valuable, precious. You are. That's what the Bible says. Jealous love can be understood when two persons are committed together in courtship or marriage. Okay, how many people are married here? Yeah, how many of you are, uh, have been in love? All of us. Okay, and so the jealous love that uh, is speaking about in relationship is that you have that passion, that zeal. You wouldn't want uh, your spouse to um, flirt with someone. Or you wouldn't want your lover, a boyfriend or a girlfriend to flirt with someone. Okay, you want the whole of them. You, you feel that they belong to you. In love and in grace, you're possessive of them. And that's the understanding. And there is a zeal in us to protect a love relationship. That is, God put that zeal in our hearts. This kind of jealousy is, in marriage is a positive virtue. And it's also a deep bonding that we see in two people. For example, parents and children. Parents would go to any extent to provide for their children. Right? How many parents are here? Yeah, you would go, you, there are sleepless nights, Danny and Sil, we keep talking about uh, the parenting, like changing nappies or oh, doing so many things, the sacrifices in terms of sleep, in terms of money. You don't expect anything in return. You do it because you love them. And God doesn't expect anything in return from you. He is just jealously in love with you. Amen? That's God's love for you. And in the same way, God wants us to reciprocate that love and grace towards him. That's what God is wanting from us. And the Bible says in 1 John 4.19, we love God because he loved us first. He showed us what love is. And if, if we've forgotten what love is, we need to remind ourselves we will never be able to understand it unless we know that he is the one who loved us. He is the one who showed us how to love. And uh, in fact, I remember those days when I was away from God. And I came for an encounter weekend here in 2006. And my life was so, so miserable. It was very, very pathetic. I was in all kinds of relationship. Uh, my marriage was on the verge of breaking down. Uh, I was constantly seeking after uh, people's love and affirmation. So I found a lot of pleasure in studying and education and getting a good job. And I was constantly on this striving mode, constantly uh, looking for acceptance and love. But it was all happening at a wrong place. But when I came for this encounter weekend in 2006, for the first time I understood that God loves me. No matter what I've done, no matter what my past has been, the grave mistakes that I've done in life, the wrong choices that I've been to, God still loves me. And that was something that settled on the inside of me. And that was a starting point for another new beginning in my life. And this morning, you may be sitting here. We all have been through this uh, journey. God knows that. And nothing has bypassed God. And God is reminding you this morning that no matter what has happened in your life, he still loves you. 
He's jealously in love with you. It's not just an ordinary love. It's a praiseworthy zeal for something that is precious to him. And that's why the Bible says that he's not written your name in the palm of his hands. What has he done? He has engraved it so that nothing can wipe it away. And the Bible says that he's fearfully and wonderfully made. With such care, with such integrity, he's, he's made you. And so never discount yourself of God's love, of who you are. Okay. And J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, records the following. He says that God's jealousy over his people, that is you, presupposes his covenant love. So his covenant love is the necessary condition for his jealousy. So jealousy and love goes together. Okay. And it's not a love. Uh, that This love is no transitory affection. Transitory means it's not temporary. God's love towards you is not temporary. Uh, it's not accidental or aimless. It is not a mistake. Oh, by accident, uh, nothing like that. There is no accidents. There's no coincidence. Okay. And there is, it's not like an aimless, but it's an expression of a sovereign purpose. God has purposed in his heart to love you. He's made a decision to love you forever and ever. And the covenant love is the heart of God. A covenant love is the heart of God's plan for this world. Not just for us who are sitting here in the church, but it's for the whole world. God so loved the world. That's the good news that the whole world needs to know. And his jealousy gives meaning for his love and grace. If he's not uh, jealously in love with us, uh, it doesn't make any sense for us. God's jealousy actually gives meaning for his love and grace. 1 John 3 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on you. What manner of love the Father has lavished on you. Lavished means it's extravagant. There's no holding back. That's the kind of love God has poured on each one of us. And, uh, and that we should be called the children of God. One thing on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit will bear a witness is that we are his children. And that is, that is the, the point on the inside we will know that we are loved by God. This morning, there are going to be very simple two things that I want to share with you in terms of the jealousy, the, jeal the jealous love of God. First is God's jealousy for his church. Okay? And second is God's jealousy for you and for me. Those are the two points that we're going to cover this morning. The first thing is, je is zeal for his father's house. That is nothing but the church. Uh, Jesus' zeal for the church or the synagogue at that time. If you see throughout the scripture, there are lots and lots of examples. The Bible speaks about prayer. You agree with me? Uh, the first one is that Seth. We heard that in the last week's message. People, Cain was going away from God. He was rebellious. But when Seth was born to Adam and Eve, what did Seth do? He started calling on the name of God. Calling on the name of God is nothing but praying to God. So prayer started right there in Genesis. And then you see the Israelites crying out to God. They were for 400 years in slavery in Egypt. They cried out to God and God heard their prayer. And what did God do? 
God sent Moses to deliver them, to rescue them. Then you see Hannah praying. She was barren. She, didn't, she did not have a child. So she started crying out to God. And God heard her prayer. And God sent forth Samuel as a prophet. You also see uh, Moses going on to the mountain. And for 40 days and nights, he prayed and he was with God. We also see the priests in the tabernacle. What they would do is they would continuously burn incense. There was no a point where the incense would be put off. That just says that there was continuous offering of prayer and thanksgiving and intercession happening in the tabernacle. Uh, Exodus 38. Exodus 38 speaks about and when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight he shall burn incense on it a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generation. So God wanted prayer and intercession to be offered throughout every day for him. And Jesus himself prayed for 40 days and 40 nights, fasted and prayed before he started his uh, ministry. And he is also our high priest now. He's interceding and he's praying for us. So in the light of all that I said about prayer, I want you all to look at this passage from Matthew 21, 12 to 15. This is a passage where Jesus entered the temple. He'd been to the temple many times. And he's preached in the temple. But this time he entered. And he did something very, very uh, different. What he did was that he drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. Temple is supposed to be a place of worship, a place where people are offering sacrifices to God. But this temple, the entrance, the courtyard had become a place for merchandise. People had turned it into a commercial activity. People started selling things, making it convenient for people to offer sacrifices. But then also, the people were making a lot of money. There were money changers there sitting, and they were earmarked to be used. The people who came there from all over for this celebration of Passover, they have to exchange your money only from them. And so thereby they made a lot of profit. And church or temple had lost its purpose. And Jesus is saying there, he turned the tables around, he beat them up in terms of turning, not the people, but all the animals and everything. And Jesus said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. In other translation, it says that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, for everybody, from every tribe, every tongue. Everyone would come and uh, be in a relationship with God. And that's what it says. And the Bible records, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. There's also another verse that says, His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. So, why did Jesus respond in this way? Jesus 
was angry and that was a righteous anger because people had turned his father's house into a den of robbers they were robbing from people and they were not allowing them to come to that place where they were supposed to worship and when jesus chased all of them out the bible records that the lame came the blind came into the temple and then god healed them so when the purpose of god for the church is prayer you can see healing in our church you can see transformation in our church and when this is not happening christ who died for us also died for the church we are the bride the bible says and he is the bridegroom and he is coming for his bride he is coming for his bride so that's what made him angry so he made a whip with cords and he chased all of them out of that place and uh, why did he do it they lost focus on being a people of prayer people had lost the focus a temple became a commercial place and so that brought forth the righteous anger the jealousy the zeal of god over the temple even for us as a church god is zealous god is zealous over his people and god is zealous over his church uh, there's another instance we see when saul was persecuting the church in acts 9:4 to 6 saul was going from place to place he was collecting the letters from authorities to persecute people those who were believers those who were christians in the early time and when he was on the way to damascus to kill or to persecute uh, those believers god appeared to him in a bright light and god said jesus said saul saul why are you persecuting the church did he say that what did god say yeah why are you persecuting me and saul said who are you lord and he said i am jesus whom you are persecuting we coming together as one body as a great purpose we coming together for prayer for our worship for ministry as a great purpose so whatever you do unto people here in the church you are doing it unto god himself and whatever we are doing against is also against god himself so whatever is done for, for the church is done towards god himself and that's what god is telling there's also another verse in matthew 16:17 to 19 it says uh, god is giving this final exhortation to peter he says and i tell you that you are peter and on this rock i will build my church and the gates of hades will not overcome it god is saying that uh, on the rock who's uh, peter in a sense that on the rock of the gospel that the church is built on the doctrine the church is built and the gates of hell the kingdom of darkness cannot stand against the church the kingdom of darkness cannot prevail against the church and god has given a mandate god is saying that whatever you bind on earth would be bound in heaven whatever you lose on earth would be loosed in heaven so that is the mandate that is the authority each of us have collectively so are you excited church when we come together it's not just about singing or hearing a sermon there's more happening 
we are built on the inside we edified as one body and christ is the head and we are his body and that's why we are called the body of christ and we are the doorway to power everything that the world needs is in you because god already gave the kingdom the keys to the kingdom into our hands when he rose again on the third day so that is the zeal of christ for his church the second is the zeal of god or the jealous love of god for you and me now it's more personal and god uses many examples in the bible to to uh, teachers or to uh, help us understand and the first one i've chosen is from zechariah 2:8 and it says that you are the apple of my eye Zechariah 2:8 says for thus says the Lord of hosts he sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye This is a verse that speaks of a strong expression of God's love for you and me for his people and uh, God takes note of every minute detail about you you may be coming uh for few months or you've been coming for few weeks so you've been here forever in adonai church from the time it was started but god takes a minute detail over everything about your life and he's personally uh involved in everything that you do nothing has bypassed him he cares for you he's mindful of you he is for you and he will continue to protect you just the way the eyeball the apple of our eye has got so many layers that are protected there's a the eyebrow there's a the lash for eye just the way god says that god protects you god cares for you and you're precious in god's sight you are the apple of his eye and he is jealously in love with you there is a praiseworthy zeal towards each one of you The second example is that you are my treasured possession. You may have heard this uh, verse from the Bible, you are my treasured possession. Malachi uh, 3:17 says, they will be mine. So in one sense God is telling you that you don't belong to you, you belong to me. Because he redeemed you. We were in the garden created to be with God. but we sinned and we walked away god had to send his son to buy us back redeem us and god is telling that you are mine you are mine and i've called you by name in the day when i make up my treasured possession i will spare them just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him god is calling us as his treasured possession i want to ask you a question what is your treasured possession for some of you it may be your parents some of you are holding very tight your spouse saying this is my treasured possession 
for some of you it could be uh, your friends the people that you hang out with the pets or for few of us it could be our gadgets right iphone ipad ipod imac <laughs> but to god you are a treasured possession you are god's treasured possession you are priceless to god you are valuable and with a praiseworthy zeal he pursues after you he pursues after you treasured possessions are not just the things that you would rescue from a burning building they are the things that you would burn for god jealously is in love with you and you are a treasured possession god burns with passion and zeal for you and jealously guards you because you are precious tell your neighbor you are god's treasured possession don't your neighbor and just say you are god's treasured possession and i'm jealously in love with you no god is jealously in love with you god is jealously in love with you for some of us we may not understand it but still god will give us an opportunity today to be able to understand and the second half of that verse says that he spares us just as a father who has compassion over his son god spared us from the wrath by sending jesus in our place jesus became our substitute and that's the wonderful message of good friday for each one of us in our place he died we were supposed to be stoned to death for all the things that we did but he stood in our place he became our defense and he stood as a substitute and he became the only way through which we can be reunited with god and the bible says that in ephesians 2 1 to 5 it says that we were objects of wrath there was nothing good in us we were rebellious we were lawbreakers we were disobedient but god but god with his great love with his great mercy he made us as objects of his mercy and love we are no longer objects of wrath of anger but we are objects of his mercy and love and uh, it is it was not the nails that held jesus onto the cross it was his love for you and for me that held him there and god loves you unconditionally extravagantly and you are no longer a product of the past you are a product of the cross the third thing i want to tell you is the unrelenting love of god god's love is unrelenting the meaning of unrelenting is undiminished in intensity or effort god's love cannot be diminished it cannot be limited in intensity it's unyielding uncompromising god does not have bad days or he does not have any kind of mood swings oh today i'm grumpy so i choose is love it's not like uh, the ladies having a bad hair day they have they have something called a bad hair day i don't know if you remember <laughs> okay god does not have those mood swings he is uncompromisingly in love with you 
incapable of being changed or persuaded by arguments. People might say you, the enemy might accuse you. For those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation. He doesn't give in to those arguments and he's unrelenting. Uh, uh, to be unrelenting is to stick to determined course. He's determined to love you. He's determined to stand by you. Lamentations 3, 22, 23 says that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Steadfast means it's marked by firm determination. It's unshakable love towards you. And it says that, the Bible says that Lord, uh, his love never ceases. There's no ending to his love. His mercies, they never come to an end. They are new every morning. Every morning, new mercies God gives us. Great is your faithfulness. There is nothing we can do for God to love us more. There is nothing you can do for God to love you less. Because he's already in love with you. That's why the Bible says that God is love. Recently, we had gone to a place called Bodhi, and uh, it is on the outskirts. It's between Karnataka, uh, sorry, Tamil Nadu and Kerala border, and it's a beautiful hill station with a lot of trees. We also got to see a tree, uh, which is uh, the world's tallest mango tree. Okay, I, I'm very excited. <laughs> Because I got to see it. Anyways, so even we went for this uh, ride and you know, all that we played in the water and all that. And even as we were coming down, this thought just dawned on me, just saying that everything that God has made is made for you and me. For us to enjoy. For us to experience them. And we are the only being on planet Earth on whom the Spirit of God dwells. The animals don't have a spirit. The creation, other than mankind, doesn't have the spirit of God. And we are the only being who can influence God. When you walk righteous before God, it pleases God. When we walk away from God, God is hurt. And when you compare everything God has created and to who we are in terms of how minute we are, we are very small, but still... His affections are on you. His love is on you. And he says that he's, he knows each one of us by name. That's what the Bible says. And I just thank God. And uh, God doesn't decide to love us. He's love. And the spirit that God's put on the inside, the Holy Spirit, yearns jealously. He yearns jealously on the inside uh, for God. And even as we are celebrating Good Friday, John gave a classic, a great example of what Good Friday is. Okay, the cross is a demonstration of God's love for you. It is a demonstration of God's jealous love for you. And God displayed his love by giving away his son Jesus. The reason why King David knew that his sins were forgiven is because King David understood the heart of God, the love of God. The unrelenting love of God for him. The reason why Apostle Paul could face all the adversities, all the persecution, everything that he went through, was because he understood that nothing could separate him from God's love. That's what the Bible says. I'll read it for you. Uh, Marmon also read it. Who 
shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, whatever trouble you're going through, whatever hardships you're going through, you may be the only believer in your family, or you may be the only believer in your office, or, or whatever hardships, persecution that you're going through, famine, scarcity, nakedness, or danger or sword. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, even death could not conquer God's place in our lives. God proved his worth for us going to that extent. Neither angels nor demons, no principality, no power, neither the present nor the future. We don't have to worry about the future. Nor any power, neither height nor depth, the highs and lows of life. Nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Nothing, absolutely nothing can separate you. So you can face any hardships because God is with you. And you can be righteous and forgiven because God's love is available for you. And apart from that, God's zeal also burns for his church. So giving our times for prayer, giving our times for gathering, giving our times for ministry is very, very important because we are the bride of Christ. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider how we spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Because that's where we have the power of God demonstrate. As some of some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day is approaching. So when we live together in harmony, when we accept each other, we honor God. So my prayer this morning is that even as you walk out of this place, I want you all to be sure that your sins are forgiven. Because there is no sin here on the cross. The sin was already nailed onto the cross 2,000 years ago. And you are loved, you are accepted, and you are made holy by Christ Jesus. And if you're going through any hardships in life, remember that God is there to take you through. He will strengthen you, and nothing can separate you from his love. And even as a church, may our hearts become an altar. Each of us, collectively and as individuals, let there be an altar of prayer and intercession going towards God every day. Let that incense of prayer and worship not stop in our lives. Thank you for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai-ministries.com 